0: Before I start the message, I want to say something. I want to say thank you. I know it's said on Facebook, you know, many of you that are here, you know that um, last Monday I had an almost head-on collision in my truck, and uh, it totaled Big Red. Hey. I know. <laughs> Believe. Gosh, you guys are getting more upset than I was. <laughs> it's the end of an era with Big Red. She was 21 years old in car years. And um, it's not regular years, trust me. It's not the years, it's the mileage. (laughs) So um, anyways, just to tell you, I want to say thank you because uh, Deborah um, and Abedin started a a GoFundMe page to help out. Um, And for those of you that are given, I don't know who's given. I don't want to really know. Um, but I thank you. Um, I know some other gifts have come in to help, um, uh, find a new big red or big white or big gray or whatever, you know, but uh, I don't know. But, uh, it really, it was, it was humbling and I thank you and I bless you for it. I don't know what else to say, but I love you with all my heart and thank you for your love and your care. And, um, your prayers, nobody was injured on the accident uh, that I know of, no ambulances were called, uh, just the two vehicles. I think Big Red didn't like this Ford F-150, because you know, <laughs> Dodge, Mopar. Um, but everybody was fine, and they, they hauled Big Red away on Thursday, there was wailing and gnashing of teeth, <laughs> and, um, but it's been good, okay? So thank you. Thank you so much from my heart. I thank you guys. All right, let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to dig into the word. Lord, I thank you for your fellowship that you desire to have with us so much so that you sent your son. I thank you that this is a day that we celebrate what is we call the triumphal entry. And Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that your word will be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. I pray that your word will be alive in us, oh God. Grant us understanding, Holy Spirit. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. As, um, and for the guests, you're going, what is Big Red? Big Red's a Dodge truck. Um, now, off of Big Red and on to Big Word. Um, usually on Palm Sunday and I've done it many times, we preach on the, what we call the triumphal entry, you know, and sometimes there's palm branches way, you know, waved in the air and all kinds of stuff, but we're not doing that. So, but we're going to look at something that's really interesting that many times is some, not many times, sometimes is passed over. Okay. We're going to look at something, but let me show you. The Bible tells us, that through salvation, because of salvation, Jesus Christ lives within believers. Okay? John 17, 23, Colossians 1, You can look at it later on. And for those of you that would like to, if you have the app, all the notes are on the app. You just go under uh, media, resources, sermons, and it's right there. And you can follow along if you would like. Um, so Jesus Christ in, dwells within us. Which is the only faith in this world that the God that we serve Gave his life for us so that we could have fellowship with him and desires to abide in us No other religion no other faith has this Now think about that We're gonna look at that a little bit But here's the neat part about it the Bible tells us in first Corinthians chapter 6 Verses 15 through 20. Turn to that with me real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're just going to actually look at verse 19 and 20. But you can read the whole thing later on if you would like. It says in verse 19, Or do you not know? Now he's talking about fleeing immorality, fleeing sins against our flesh, against our body. He says, or do you not know that your body is a what? A temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. We don't belong to ourselves. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now what's interesting is it says that we're a temple. And that word, it means this, it means a dwelling place. But here's the interesting part. It's not really talking about the temple as a whole as a building this word in the greek is talking about the inner sanctuary what we will call the holy of holies so the neat part about it is that because of the dwelling of god in our lives we are the sanctuary we have a sanctuary we are are that inner that inner sanctuary that holy of holies where god abides because of salvation when we we've accepted christ as our our savior believed in him Repentant of our sins, asking to forgive our sins, confess with our mouth, believe it in our heart. We're saved. And because of that, now Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, abides in us. Now catch that. Name me one other faith you can't in our world that's like that. But I really think sometimes we forget it. Let me show you something else. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 2. This is all intro. We haven't even gotten anything yet. Chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Aren't you glad you're not an alien? You're green or something like that. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. Now wait a minute. Fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the Old Testament, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building. Now watch this. In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy what? Temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. I wish I can unpack this today, but I can't. Here's the beauty of it. We together make up the temple. We individually are a temple. We together make up that inner sanctuary, that Holy of Holies when we gather together. And even when we're not together, we're building as people come into the, into the faith, accept Christ. They are being built up, and this sanctuary, this holy of holies is being built up more and more and more. So are you catching this? Together. But we forget that. Here's where we're going to be today. Turn with me to Mark eleven eleven. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. Says, Jesus entered Jerusalem. And this is good. Yeah, I'm I'm so I can hear pages and not phones going like this. It's great. I'm happy. Let's all go home. No. No, I'm kidding. Look what it says. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. Now here's what's going on. Here's our timestamp. Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives, enters in through, I believe it was the eastern gate of Jerusalem, right? Okay, I had to check my Jewish theologian back there. Came in through the eastern gate, which is now sealed up, goes in, walks into the temple, looks around, and leaves and goes back to Bethany, most likely back to Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house where he just came from, basically. Now, why did he do that? Now, think about it. Why did he do that? He walks in, sees what's going on, and leaves. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Look at verse 12 he comes back the next day and this is what happens. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. It says "And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now let's stop there. He says my house will be a house of prayer but look let's take this apart real quick my house a place of god's abiding presence he says it's my house now he's talking about the temple that physical temple at that moment this is my house The temple was to be a place where God's holy presence was to abide, now listen to this, and be seen. The word temple, this word here, it means sacred. That which may not be violated externally. It's related to God, it's been given unto God. It's that which is set apart. It's from the word hagios, which means where we get our word holy. So he's saying, this place, my house, my holy place is supposed to be a place of prayer but here's what he's saying it's mine it belongs to me why do we forget that if we're the temple of the holy spirit if god abides in us why do we forget that we belong to him it says we were we read it says we were bought with a price then if i was bought If Christ bought me, he took me from darkness, he took me from the hole of the enemy, he bought me back through his blood, and now I belong to who? Jesus. We love the aspect of being sons. We love the aspect of being daughters. We love the aspect of of being priests unto the Lord. But we forget something. We are also servants. We're also slaves. We're also owned. So he says, my house, my house, Jesus cleaned the temple out one other time in John chapter two, right at the beginning of his ministry, he goes into the temple. He sees the same thing going on and he makes a whip out of cords and he swings it. Now this, you know, this is like the best action movie ever. Name me a place where one man, Besides Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like that. One man could walk into what is called the marketplace of the temple. It was the court of the Gentiles. And they had turned it into a literal market, like a flea market. For lack of a better term. And there was was a place where people could cut through. If they were going past the temple to get to the other side of Jerusalem. They could cut through the temple to get over there. And so it was a thoroughfare. It was a marketplace. They were cheating people. They could... They were selling uh, uh, animals that were really not fit for sacrifice in the temple, but they knew they could make some money. And the priests, and the high priest okayed it all. So Jesus drives them out with a whip, but he doesn't say, we always think he says, this is my house and it shall be called a house of prayer. He doesn't say that there. You know what he says? He says this, you've made this a place of business. It's very different, isn't it? The first time he cleans out the temple, he says, you've made this place a place of business. You've taken my house and made it a thoroughfare for buying and selling. You're cheating people. You're cheating me. So three years later or so, he goes back in. The same thing is happening. And he says, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den you tracking with me the temple was dedicated to and belonged to god through purging the temple jesus was proclaiming something what was he proclaiming he was proclaiming that it's mine it's mine let me show you something turn to first peter look at first peter Chapter 2. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race. That means you've been picked out. You know what also it means? That you're the best of its kind. That's what God thinks about us. You're a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation now watch this a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light this is what the physical temple was supposed to do also it was supposed to be a monument seen by all That when they saw it, they knew that the God of Israel, Jehovah, lived among his people. Are y'all tracking with me on this? He lived among his people. The temple was to be a visible picture and place of God's abiding presence in the lives of his people. It was a daily reminder of his presence in reality. Meaning what? Do you know... I'm going to say a few things that you may not like, which is most of what I say. I really believe in my heart that Christianity today is so far away from what Christianity is supposed to be biblically that it's unrecognizable. We're so much like the world that there's nothing to distinguish us anymore. Because we're so integrated into the world itself. This, now, just in your mind, whatever you think the temple looked like. Someone said, put up a picture. No, just think about it. It was imposing. It was majestic. It was visible. Is that not what we as believers are supposed to be? Not arrogant, not... Uh, prideful, but our lives should display we just read that in first Peter the very excellencies of what God has done on a visible basis. we are to look so different that we 're different than any other nation we 're different than any other people in humility and in great love, but we 're supposed to be different if the presence of God abides in us now i 'm not talking about okay here we go i 'm not talking about being weird. 90s charismatic weird. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. You're not supposed to walk into a place, go, oh, God's here. Whoa. Okay. No, that's not what this is talking about. It's not what the scripture is talking about. It's talking about the way we conduct our lives, the integrity, the character. The the way that we speak, the way that we look, the way that we treat people, the way that we do things is supposed to be so radically different that it displays the excellencies of God. Now, we're, we're not perfect. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're supposed to be that different. We're supposed to be a daily reminder to those around us that God is here in our reality. You know why I use the word reality? Because it's so popular nowadays with all the, you know, what is it? The uh, Marvel universe and the DC universe and all this stuff about realities and different realms. Uh, This is the reality right here that God created and our lives are supposed to be his presence in this reality. So you know that verse, acts one eight, turn to it real quick, acts one eight. You saying, did Jesus say this? Watch acts one eight, the last part of it says this, and you shall be my what? Now, what is that saying? We're supposed to be what? His very witness. Our lives are supposed to be a witness as to others and also to his presence, that we are followers of Yeshua, followers of Jesus, followers of Jehovah, whatever name you want to use at this moment, but it's about Jesus. Our lives are supposed to witness Jesus in the world. So what are we doing? We're supposed to be an imposing temple. Here's something else. Go back to uh, Matthew chapter 21. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer meaning what? A place of holy fellowship. A place of abiding fellowship. If the temple belongs to God, he has authority over what happens in it. Now I have told you, that they made it a marketplace, but they also made it a a, a thoroughfare. They allowed, which you weren't supposed to do because it was disrespectful to God himself. But it was a thoroughfare that if, no matter who wanted to come through there, could carry whatever they wanted, oxen, uh, whatever, you could take it right through there. It's like this. Imagine this. How many of you have been in church a long time? 10 years or more. Okay. Now, how many of you been in a, in, in large churches? Okay. How many of you been in small churches? Which do you like better? No, I'm just kidding. You ever had a distraction happen in the service to, when you were worshiping? Yeah. Right. What does everybody do? And then if you get really upset, then you complain to the pastor that that interrupted my worship. Right? Well, that's what was going on. If that temple was dedicated to God, they were disrespecting what God was doing by making it a thoroughfare for anybody that could come through. Just walk through, disrupt. Just think about that. Jesus, it says in Mark 11, verse 16, that Jesus stopped them. He said he would not let anyone carry merchandise through the temple. This is the only place that's mentioned. It was no shortcut anymore. What robbed the people of fellowship with God? You know what it was? Lack of prayer. He said it. My house shall be a house of prayer. What robbed the people of God's presence, of, of the awareness? Now, I want you to understand something. There's two things we're, we're looking at. There's the presence of God literally in the life of a believer. And then there's what we would call acknowledging God's presence. Okay. Oh God, you did that. Like, you know, you find a good parking space at Kroger and you go, thank you, God. What are you doing here? Acknowledging God's presence. Get up in the morning. Good morning, Lord. Acknowledging God's presence. So we're talking about both of those together. So what robbed them of the fellowship of God, the presence of God that we would think about? Lack of prayer. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says this. If you want to turn, you're more than welcome. Or You can look up there. God is faithful through whom you were called into what? Fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, the last part of it says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship with the Father, fellowship with God is based upon one's union with Christ himself. Fellowship is not community. Community is never fellowship, according to the scriptures. It's not called community. Community is based on common interest. Community is based on what I can get from you. Fellowship is based upon a person, which is Jesus Christ. I can't have fellowship with an unbeliever. I can have community. We all, we may like to do something together. But I can't have that fellowship. That fellowship we're supposed to have because you're a believer and I'm a believer. And when we're together, it's based upon Jesus Christ. And here's the deal our fellowship with God based upon Jesus Christ this isn't about having my best day this isn't about all this other stuff this is about I'm a believer God lives in me my life belongs to him I've been bought by him he's he owns me but yet he calls me his son he calls me a child he loves me so much so that he gave his life The God of the universe gave his life to pay for my sin, to pay my debt that I owed. This is the fellowship. He wanted to have fellowship with me so bad that he gave his life. It says, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It is based upon Christ. That means, like, take for instance, I was out yesterday and I, um, I met another believer. We were talking, and but he didn't know as was a believer at first in this way. We were talking, he goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, and he put his head down for a moment. And he raised his head up and his eyes were welled up with tears. I think Marvin. And he goes, I'm getting back in the church. And he began to tell me a story, which I won't tell you It's private, but he told me a story and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Why? Do I think it's because I carry this big mess of presence of God? Well, you do too. In my sinfulness, God still desires to abide in me because of Christ. But the beauty of it is all of a sudden he's a believer. And when I said that, all of a sudden, what happened? fellowship. Presence, recognized presence. is that cool? Prayer is the simplest practice and application of God's reality in our lives. Prayer is a, patient, is a practice of the knowledge, acknowledging God's reality in our lives. Like take, for instance, Psalms. What was the Psalms? You read all three, it, it says, pray, cry out to the Lord, seek the Lord. All these things, it's all about what? Seeking God. It's all about fellowship. It's about the presence of God. It's about acknowledging the presence of God. It's about acknowledging when he's with you, acknowledging when you don't feel him there, acknowledging when he's kind of in between that, acknowledging when you need him, acknowledging when you don't. Is that what it's about. It's that daily... Union that daily communion, that daily fellowship, that daily talking, that daily uh, interaction with God, then we wonder why our lives go the way it does. And it's not a guilt trip. I want to call us, again, it's not a great sermon, but I want to call us to something. As believers, call us to what? Interact with God. Acknowledge his presence in your life. If you're a believer, acknowledge it. Have community, have fellowship, have all these things. Have that, that, that interaction. Have that, that relationship with God that he desires. He cleaned out a temple single-handedly and proclaimed this place is supposed to be a place of prayer. But you made it something it's not supposed to be. You made it a marketplace. What was he telling us down through history? This is the relationship I want with you. Prayer is simply acknowledging God's presence in our life and talking to Him. That's how we do it. If you don't talk to somebody, do you acknowledge their presence? Not really. I'd like your best friend never to talk to you. Some are going, uh, me. I won't use spouses because I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but think about it. You ever desired... Fellowship with somebody, you ever desired to talk with somebody and they didn't want to talk to you? It hurts. When our lives become a thoroughfare for anything else but God himself, then real prayer ceases and fellowship with Christ is overlooked. You ever thought about that? If we don't pray, we're overlooking God during the day. We're saying, later. See? That's him going, let's talk. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to wrap this up. What has robbed you from acknowledging God's presence in your life? You know, we all want to be like Paul, we want to be like Peter, be like all these others. But the thing about it is that they learned something that we need to learn. They learned the reality of God in their life. God's real. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I haven't seen him. Some have seen him in visions and things like that. That's great. I haven't. But he's real. I'm standing here because he's real. You're sitting here because he's real. I'm standing here. I could have been killed on Monday. But I'm standing here because he's real. Do I know he protected me? Yes. 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 Do I know he got me through cancer? Yes. Do I know he got me off of drugs? Yes. Do I know that he's been with me all through these, the, my life even before I knew him? Yes. He's real. And if he's real, then he's in our reality whether we see him or not. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he is there. He's so real that he wanted us to be part of his his relationship that he gave Christ his son i'm trying not to get real theological it is sometimes hard he gave us the sacrifice of his son god himself died for us on a cross which we're getting ready to celebrate on friday died for us on a cross rose again from the tomb ascended into heaven said i'm coming back and he did all this so that we could be saved how are we saved he laid it out it's very simple but it's the hardest thing we'll ever do he says first recognize that you're a sinner romans three twenty second thing is this acknowledge that there's a wage for sin which is death but there's the gift of god which is eternal life through jesus christ Third thing, confess your sin. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. First John 1, 9. Fourth thing, he said what? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do that. And guess what? Five, you be saved. And I'm not trying to be funny salvation will come to you if you meant that and you believe that he's real God will change your life he did all that so that we could have fellowship so that we could be close so that he could abide in me I could be his dwelling place I can be a walking temple of the Holy Spirit that when I sleep he's there when I rise he's there when I go through the day he's there whether I acknowledge him or not he's there and he's still saying, come, have fellowship with me. That's what we're supposed to do. This is, this is a relationship. It's not a religion. And we've said it for hundreds of years. It's a relationship. But there's where God's people fail. We get, we get fire insurance. And that's it. Well, Paul said, Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. What robbed the acknowledgement of God's presence in their, in their daily life was no relationship. You know what robbers means? I'm done. In just a second. The word robber in the Greek, it means this. One who deprives another of their property openly and by violence. What robs you daily of your time with God, that acknowledging of God, whether you're driving in the car, whether you're sitting at your desk at work, whether you're at Kroger, whether you're at Walmart, what, what robs you of that? Why is there not fellowship like that? Where it's almost like everywhere you go, you're, you're bringing your, your friend along with you and you're talking to him like that. What robs you of that? What, what took that from you. One of my favorite movies is Ben-Hur and I've used this illustration. I'll use it again. Ben-Hur is on a ship. He's a slave. And the, the uh, centurion, the prefect actually calls him in and wants to talk to him because he, there was something different about Judah Ben-Hur. And he begins to tell him stuff. And so he goes, he says to Judah, He says your God is no more real than the gods that I pray to. He goes, I, I've left that a long time ago. And Judah looks at him and he says this, he goes, what took it from you? And he goes, get out. And he, he cornered him. He called him on it. So where's your relationship with God? Are you talking to him? Is there fellowship? If not, what took it from you? What robbed you of it? What or who walks through your life using you as a shortcut? Here's what I'm asking that you do today. Let Christ overturn the tables and drive out the thieves that steal the prayer and fellowship from your daily walk with him. Let him do it. Ask him to bring him, bring him to mind. God, what steals my time? What steals my relationship from you? Why? Because of this. Our daily reality is to see and walk in God's loving, abiding presence. Christ's presence in reality must be our everyday present reality. Let's pray. I pray that some of those words got, got home. Lord, I pray that you take my attempt and use it for your glory. Because Lord, only you can take your word and sink it into our hearts. Only you can change us and make us a new creation. Lord, I take nothing for granted anymore. Lord, I ask that you will move upon our lives right now, in this quiet moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that if, Lord, if, if it's wanted in the lives of those who are here, and, Lord, it's wanted in my life, point out, expose the thoroughfare in our life and what steals and robs us violently of that acknowledging of your presence in our life. Lord, if someone's not a believer, whether here or watching online, I pray that right now, Lord, I ask that you will move upon their life right now to desire that deep relationship with you, to desire to have their sin forgiven and know that it's forgiven. That, Lord, that they will give their heart to you That they will repent of their sin ask your forgiveness and confess you with their mouth and believe in your heart that you've been raised from the dead so that they will be saved and know that you're coming again for them to take them home to be with you may a relationship with you be the very thing that we desire more than anything else on this earth as Paul said Lord may we truly say with him for me to live as Christ May we also say what Paul said where he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in our life. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. Meaning that, Lord, we will surrender to the Father and to his will. May that relationship be what we want, Lord. Holy Spirit move in our hearts. In just a moment we're going to worship. And the altar is going to be open. You want to come and pray. No one's going to bother you. If you want somebody to pray with you just ask somebody to come with you. Why do we open the altar? We call it altar up here. Because when we take that step, it really is a step of faith. Out of that security into this unknown. But knowing that God's leading us. And God can change our life. If you want healing, want, want to pray for healing, then come and pray. Ask somebody to pray with you. Whatever it is, just take a moment. In Jesus' name, let's stand.